Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. It means you got to hold it. And you know what happens if you don't hold it too close? <laughs> I put shit up there because... <laughs> Because, no, seriously, so let's stand back this way so these guys can see here. I just want you to hear it, and what Rick's going to share, I mean, it's really what Jesus has done, okay? So whatever he shares, there's way more to say than what he's going to say. Are you nervous? Of course. Yeah, I'll say, you're an honest man. God has made you an honest man. Um, so Rick's Justin's dad. So I've actually known of you a long time. I haven't talked about our, our few encounters we've had. But uh, I think Jesus has changed your life pretty much, right? You got to put it in the mic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So do this. Tell us just a little bit, whatever you want to say, about what your life like was before. I'll stand next to you, but go ahead and use the mic, okay? Whatever you want to say. Before I got reacquainted, you mean? <laughs> reacquainted with Jesus, that's right. Because I wandered. I'm... Is this on good? Can you hear him okay? Okay, good. You're doing good, man. Life was uh, pretty bad. Uh, uh, didn't really much care about life. Uh, I chose things I shouldn't have chose over my family and things I loved. I gave up everything, and, and he pulled me out of that and reunited me with the family, and <laughs> he's done so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How'd he, how'd he grab you? Because <laughs> he grabs you. I know yeah. that. Yeah, um, well, uh, lifelong drug addiction, and I ended up in jail. And wasn't about to call anybody because my life wasn't their life. And I did got you get, there. Hang on, did you get that? Here's how bottom I got. I ain't reached out to anybody else. I already screwed it up. Jesus didn't let that go. How many of us, we struggle with guilt and shame, so we like, I don't deserve this, okay, right? Keep going. And everybody says, well, everybody finds God in jail. Now, I got reacquainted with him, Mm -hmm. and instead of doing the thing that most people do, oh, Lord, please get me out of this. I swear I won't do it again. I'll go to church every Sunday. No, I said, thank you. Thank you for making me hold on to that, even if I have to go to prison. Um, I hadn't talked to Justin in probably six years, yeah. and he, he shows up on a video visit, and I couldn't do anything but stand there and cry. <laughs> yeah, That's Jesus pursuing you through your son. Mm-hmm. So for 90-plus days, I every morning and every night, I said, thank you, Lord, for putting me here. Mm-hmm. But now do I really have to go to prison? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you bargained with God, too. Okay. Me, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, well, I asked Justin to find me a 90-day rehab because I figured a lifetime of drug abuse wasn't going to go away in 28 days. Yep. Um, the desire has been taken from me. It took, mm-hmm. He took that from me in jail. It was, it was great. No <laughs> desire whatsoever. Yeah. And... Uh, Justin looked and looked and couldn't find anything and then on his way home from work he heard a radio commercial on the radio and 
Valley of Grace in Kokomo, Indiana. Mm -hmm. He says, would you be interested in a faith-based rehab? I'm, Absolutely, let's go. Mm, amen. And it was a great place to be. Mm, amen. 90 days, uh, no TV, no phone. No that, might kill, that might kill some of us in here. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Just getting into the Word every day, yeah. it, was, it was great. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. Got me all sweaty now. <laughs> it is. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you this question. Well, I'll ask you, and you can pass on it. We heard enough. How can we pray for you? Um, just so I can uh, keep my eyes focused on the Lord and keep going in the direction I'm going. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, thank you, Rick. I'll let you sit down. Thank you a ton. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I think uh, you got a nephew that you had an influence on also, I think. Did your cousin go through the same program recently? Okay. And uh, return. Just graduated and got baptized. Okay. Okay. So I, I want you to hear that God's at work. He's at work all over the place. Don't always see it. Hey, Rick, thank you. That was, that was a huge step for you to do that. I really appreciate it. I don't know if any of those, is it Valley of Grace? Is that the name of it? So I don't know if any of those brothers watch this or whatever, but well done. So I want you to hear this. Rick's talking about Jesus. That's where the change is. And there's a lot of times we feel guilt and shame. We feel a long ways away, and we don't deserve him. I can't tell you how many times I have people say, I don't deserve to walk in the building, you know, in the church because the building will fall down on me. That's a common thought. We all have different journeys, but it's the evil one who wants to communicate that thought. So I want to thank you a ton. Let's pray. How sweet the sound of saving grace. You, oh Christ, died for me. Thank you, Lord, that you awakened Rick to you. You used a difficult circumstance and you turned him is a lifelong journey away. There's never a person that's too far away. And thank you for what you've done, what you are doing right there. Continue to redeem, to renew, to make your life live through him, through us, Lord. Let us receive your word now as we need it. There's nothing that can, uh, that can stop you. And I pray today that which you desire to do, we would just receive it with open hearts, open hands, and full desire to follow you with all of our lives, no matter what you do and what you say. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Uh, Justin said it in the beginning, in terms of we're in Matthew chapter 13, I'd like you have your Bibles open, um, I'm going to say this. In the, in the preaching part, you got one guy speaking and other people listening. I think that's hard. I also think there's a lot here, and I go fast. So one of the things Justin was saying kind of in the announcements, he's encouraging you, anytime you can turn that clock and come an hour earlier at 10, the study of the word is something else, and you'll get the connections better. And we really had a fun discovery. We call it scripture discovery, just walking through the text um, and, and doing that together. So I just want to encourage it again. So we always start with context. What's taking place in Matthew's gospel? He's written this later on after Jesus' resurrection. He's written to the church. He wants them to know. Him. But basically this whole thing is unfolding. Is who is Jesus? And, and he's gradually showing along the way. This is the promised king that the prophets have said from a long time ago. And at this point in the narrative, he's shown a lot about his miracles, much about his teaching. But right here in chapter 13, there's a the particular twist where these are parables that almost all of them are about the kingdom of heaven. And he, he'll, I think almost everyone, he starts and says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he describes it. That terminology would, would, 
would, would, would grab the disciples in the crowds. They'd want to listen closely. The kingdom of heaven. So ought to grab us too, really. What's, what's Jesus talking about here? We, we talked about it earlier um, a little bit. So again, we've got the Pharisees that, you know, the Pharisees are do-gooders, but they're do-gooders to a fault because they're promoting the law in such a way, which actually, if you read Romans, the law that God gave is true, but it actually puts a standard out there that none of us can fully keep. But the Pharisees' approach to that was, that's how you gain entrance into heaven. You get 100% on the report card. You, you do this all the way. When Paul writes the book of the letter to the church in Romans, he realized we can't do that. We, need, we, we cannot earn our own righteousness. There's no one good enough to do that for holy God. Therefore, that's the whole part. Uh, I, can't rem- I can't pull out songs, but there was one about atonement or whatever in there. What we need is, an, we call it an alien righteousness. We need a righteousness that's outside of us. That's very distinct to Christianity. And it happens not, not by what I do. And most religions are really based on, I do this, then I get this back from God. And scripture is very clear that we can't do enough to earn that. We just can't. And that's actually freeing to, to, to grasp that. But it comes from this point when I surrender my life to Jesus, his death on the cross, and that gets transferred to me. Can I just say that is an unhuman concept because it's not fair. It's grace and mercy and forgiveness, which are totally rooted in God and who he is, okay? So when he's speaking of kingdom of heaven, the Pharisees see entrance into the kingdom this way, and Jesus is talking about something different. So some of them have this this aspect. You know how you're always kind of, I see physical things. So they're thinking of kingdom in terms of the the geography of Israel and Rome and the oppressors, and many of them thought of it that way. And Jesus is coming in, describing, portraying, continually in Matthew's gospel, a kingdom that is unlike any other. We see it very specifically in in the Sermon on the Mount, but a kingdom that's changing people, his kingdom is. So here's what we've seen in chapter 13, as he, the previous kingdom principles, parables. He says, he starts with this one where the word of God is sown out into the field and there's four different kinds of soils representing heart conditions, the way people will either receive Jesus or not. And the first one is this hard path, the hardened heart. The seed kind of goes like, pink, pings right off. There's one that goes in, uh, it grows up quickly, but it gets choked out. By the, by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of sin. There's another one that gets rocky, so persecution strangles it out. And there's that which is the good soil, a heart that's just receptive. Let me say this. Rick's just asked, what he, de- what he demonstrated is a point in life when the heart was receptive. And probably there's a point in life where it, it demonstrated other things. So God changes the heart. But he's just describing here responses to the gospel. He then talks about the mustard seed and the leaven or the yeast where the kingdom of God will come. Mustard seed, it's really tiny seed. I almost brought one in and it grows to this tree or this little bit of yeast that affects the whole batch of dough. And what he's speaking of here is the kingdom. It, it seems like something that is insignificant, but it grows unseen and it will grow. Jesus' kingdom it will grow. And I think that means two things. One is, 
It is growing right now geographically. You won't hear it on MS. You won't hear it on news. You won't hear it on Fox. You won't hear it on CNN. You're, it's growing. It's growing. All over. It's growing in Iran right now. It's growing in Karakapakistan right now. It's growing in China right now. His kingdom's growing. You won't hear it. You won't see it. Per, in persecution, it grows. So there's an aspect of the kingdom growing that way. There will be a time when every nation will hear, every language group, and that's why we're passionate about missions. But that's the geographic. It also grows in a life. So when you receive that of Christ, when you receive the gospel, if you think back that you've been a Christian, it, you understood so much, but a year later in walking with Jesus a little more, and what happens is his character gets moved out in your life. So it begins to affect all of you. It begins to affect your desires. Some of that happens quickly. Some of it happens over time. Your goals in life. Um, how, you, how you deal with money. How you view your time. It's all kinds of things. Your ability to love others. Your ability to forgive others. The gospel moves through your life in ways you never expected. That's that mustard seed growing in this big thing. So he's describing the kingdom of heaven working like that. So these four remaining parables, they're very short and pithy. And did I give you the mic? Okay, Patrick's going to come up in just a minute. Why don't you come in the front row, Patrick, and, and, and read our scripture for us today. Um, but these four are pretty short and pithy. Uh, and what they are speaking of is both the kingdom and the citizens of the kingdom. And here's the four things. It's simply, there's a hidden treasure. There's a pearl of great value. There's this aspect of netting fish. And there's this new and old treasure. Let's stand as we give our attention to the word of God. And Patrick reads it to us. Thank you. Thank you. I got to admit, when you uh, get the text asking to read a passage from the Bible. Start sweating? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Excited. It's kind of like a Christmas Eve party, and you've always got that uncle that has the uh, scratch-off lottery tickets. <laughs> so, you know, you get, get your penny or your key out yeah, yeah. to see if you won a yeah. buck. Yeah. Did you win? Uh, I did win, oh. and I'll tell you why. So I rushed to the Bible, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and see what I have to yeah. read. Yeah. And there's no names, and there's no cities. Oh. <laughs> So, so I definitely won I was going to write yeah. short passage, yeah. no hard words. That's yeah. right. I didn't, yeah. I didn't write that, yeah. So anyways, yeah. here we go. I'll still butcher it, yeah. but here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new 
and what is old. Amen. Let's pray as we stand. Father, again, we know this is your word. It's the word you've chosen for us to hear today. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. We'd hear it, Lord. I anticipate there may be some things in this that we won't all like. Help us to receive it. Not not the path, not the hard-packed soil. Let us receive it, Lord, as, as you intend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's, I would like you to keep your Bibles open because I want you to see the words and I'll, four parables. I'm going to go fairly fast in this, but I think there's some very significant things. And when you think again, kingdom of heaven, is this how we respond to him, okay? Um, so I often I'll try to boil this down to one sentence. Here's, you can debate this or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to use this now and uh, we'll talk about it in the end. But citizens of Jesus' kingdom are full-time residents, not part-time. They're in. They're all in. Full-time residents who joyfully give up their self-rule for his reign over everything as they share the good news. Any of you that were in the 10 o'clock class can pick certain words there and why we use those words, okay? But we'll come back to it at the end. All right, first one. I'm going to take the first two parables together, the hidden treasure and the pearl of surpassing value. All right, um, so I think there's some similarities here and there's some differences. But each time, here's what Jesus is doing. Here's the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's done that all the way along. And here, I think he's describing a person. Or I should say, in these parables, he says, here's what's like, and then he begins to describe a person. So I, I think what Jesus is doing in these particular ones, he, he said, here's what happens to a person when they discover his kingdom. That is, at that point, we could say when they got saved, but that word doesn't mean anything to anybody. We could say when they became born again, because it's like, it's transformation. It's something different. It's, it's when they come under his rule and reign it begins to accomplish something in their lives. So all those words will be accurate to describe it, but I just want to try to put other descriptions. that They're coming into the kingdom. So characteristic, here's the first one in these two, which I think is similar. In both cases, as he described the kingdom of heaven is like, it's hidden. That's true of both the treasure and the pearl. It's hidden. Uh, Paul uses this phrase a couple of times. He talks about the mystery of Christ. Simply indicating this, I think. I don't think the kingdom of heaven is easily seen. Or you could say, or the gospel. I don't think it's easily seen. I don't think it's obvious to many people. I think it's somewhat surprising. In many ways, it's, it's counterintuitive. And here's the truth. We need the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, to open our eyes to see and to believe. And not everyone does. Not everyone does. So often when we're praying for someone, that's what I'm praying. I got people in my life that I love that I'm close to. They're just, they're far away for whatever reason. God knows the issues. I'm praying, Lord, that's how I'm asking him to work. God, I know I cannot reason them in. Doesn't mean I don't speak with them. We don't have reasonable conversation. Uh, actually, scripture commands us to do that, to, have, to be wise with our words, but have reasonable conversation with someone. I know I can't argue them into the kingdom, but I pray about, this, about the Holy Spirit opening their eyes because I know he knows the barriers. I know you've been prayed for for a long time, Rick. How, how do you describe what God does? You can't describe it. 
So there's this aspect of it being hidden, and we need the Holy Spirit to open eyes. Secondly, in both cases, there is discovery. One guy is uh, called a merchant. He's looking. In other case, it's this guy that finds it in a field. And so there, there's this, look what I found. <laughs> or maybe it's, look what found me. I'm not sure which one it is. But in both cases, there's discovery. So I just want you to think about the word discovery for a moment. What that means, discovery. Because there's a beautiful things about the gospel that's discovery. I, when I was a, a kid, um, I think I was first grade. I, yeah, because I remember what school I was at. I remember running down this hill, and I was playground, or maybe it was recess in first grade. They go, hey, run to that telephone pole and back. And I distinctly remember running towards a telephone pole, and it's the first time in my life I found out I had another gear. I could run faster, and I didn't know it. You know, you're six years old. What do you know? But I'm running along, you know, I could run faster. Probably my friend was pushing me because he was going to beat me to the pole. I don't know. But I, I just went, that, that moment, I'm like, oh. Uh, my wife finds all kinds of discoveries. It's discarded treasure of other people's along the side of the road. And she makes her really happy, as you know. It's discovery. She, it's amazing to watch her excitement about this thing. It's, it's probably broke, you know. Discovery. I don't know what your thing is for discovery, but that the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's a discovery. But here it is. It's a discovery that never stops. It's not like, oh, I found it, and that, that's it. No, no. The part of walking with Jesus and being found by Jesus may be a better description of it, because he seeks and saves the lost. It's probably more that he found us than we found, it, found him. But the part of that is, as we walk with him, it continues to go deeper in our life. It just does. And we, we've mentioned this a couple of, but I think the whole aspect of what it means to be loved by God, I, I just don't think we'll ever fully grasp it all our lives, but it doesn't mean we, try, we stop trying to. I think to the degree that we understand it more, the change is even greater. It, it just is. So the discovery continues. Um, Justin said it, different people said it, I'm studying the Bible. How many times have I read this passage? I learned more. And I love the, the title of that class we have at 10 o'clock, Scripture Discovery. It's like that all the time. Is it? Come on, how many of you have been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. Wouldn't you say it's like that so often? It just is. You're discovering it. That's one of the beauties of walking with Jesus. And the kingdom, when it comes to you, it is so far from a ticket to heaven. Yeah, that's there, but I don't, remember the old, like, pray this prayer and you get in? Like, like that's what Jesus is saying? He's saying so much more than that. This kingdom, it's a seed. It grows in you. It changes you. The circumstances may be the same. Adversity might come even worse, Jesus says. But there's a change in you that's transformational. Watch how this keeps going. It's hidden. There's discovery. Now when you get to the treasure, I think there's one word that's unique. It's kind of funny because we walked through that. I kept going, what's different from treasure than the pearl? And you know when the students aren't giving the answer you want, it really stinks. You had to keep, we got it, finally. So those, aren't, those that aren't in the class, those who are in the class, you can't say this. You look right now. What's the word in your Bibles? What's different about the treasure than the pearl? Fred goes like, man, he hid the thing. He did. I think he hid it because he's like, I found it. I want to be able to get it until he buys it. He hides it. There's another word. It's, what's his response? Anybody? that was not in the class? What's that? 
had joy. Exactly. Thank you. Specific, he, with great joy. So I, I'm sitting here. We're singing how sweet the sound of saving grace. I go like, he had great joy. That's what he did. You know, when you get to that part, Christ died for me. I'm like, that's the joy you're talking about right there. The treasure. So let me ask you this. Do you remember? Do you remember when, the word I like to use, when you were awakened, when you first understood this and came to Jesus? So if you're a little bit older when that happened, teenager older, the change was maybe more evident. I remember and the joy. If it was as a child, though, as mine was, my, my parents were the first Christians in our family tree. Total wild families. I remember our family parties, whether it's the King's side or the Dryden side, was like, I learned how to play cards. That was fun. Like my grandpa smoked a, he smoked a carton of camels faster than anybody I knew, you know. Was, and later, later, I mean, the guy's like 60 when he comes to Jesus. It was like crazy. Um, but I watched the change of my parents. So I started going to church when I was pretty little. So I didn't have their dramatic change, like my, my, my parents did as an adult. But here's what I remember. The joy was no, so you prayed like some prayers as a little kid, but I remember the joy increasing. In particular, I remember this. It's my early youth years. I remember the first time like reading the Bible on my own and like I'm understanding it. You know, I, was, I was in this youth group and I was actually with some, there's a small group of guys and we're taught how to read the Bible and understand it. And then we actually like took turns teaching the class. It was super weird. I'm super young. It's like, but it was really good. And, and the hunger and the, and the joy came out of it. Do you remember wherever that was in your life? That kind of joy. That kind of joy. And I'll say it again. The more we grow in this understanding of being loved by God, joy grows. And that there can be all kinds of difficult circumstances in us. The word changes us. It has a visible effect on our lives. Peace from worry. Okay, hang on a second. It doesn't did I do something? Doesn't mean we don't struggle with these things. There's times when you, you've been granted peace when you formally worried a love for others, particularly in cases when they have not been loving towards you. That God gives that to you out of an understanding of how much he's loved me. And so you're able to transmit something that is supernatural, that is of his kingdom, that's beyond human because it's him in you. Patience you've experienced in waiting for an answer. Okay, I know we're all impatient. I'm impatient all the time. How do you think God works out patience? Through my impatience. He really does. So I keep talking to him about it. Lord, so I I don't think patience is passive. God didn't go, here, take this magic vitamin, you're good. It's not like that. It gets, it gets worked out on the real things, but it comes. It, it, it's what goes on. And so there is a, in those ways, it's a deeper joy because you look back at that and you go like, man, I know that's the Lord. Sometimes we say, there's no good thing in me. Paul, there's no good thing in me. Or any good thing there is in me, that came from him. And with those recognitions, can I just say, that is worship, my friends. Pause. Pharisees' approach to God is oppressive. I've got to, if I just do enough things right, you can't do enough, and we all actually know that. But you keep trying it. Really, all the other religions have to do with this, okay? Oh, okay, I won't do a sidebar. I could tell you about Islam and where that all, it's just, it's just not. 
This over here is recognizing that I'm a sinner in need of God's grace and really need, and really need it. Not pretend like, not like, dude, I go to church. I don't need as much as him. Well, that's not what he's saying. No, I really need it. And I need it because I do go to church because I'm a hypocrite. Because there's so many times I want to do, do right things, I don't. So many times I speak unclean to my wife, I don't. I, I'm self, I'll, I need this. I need him to keep changing me, and that's a freedom. Any good thing in us, it comes from him, and that, that is sheer worship. I want to encourage you, but this is what's going on as the gospel moves through a life. Fourth thing, it's a seeking heart. So the merchant, it specifically uses this word that he is searching. And we, <laughs> we had a little discussion about this in the class. It actually doesn't specifically say that about the treasure finder. It doesn't say anything. So maybe he was searching. But it, because it doesn't say it, I actually wonder, maybe he just stumbled across the treasure. Maybe he didn't tell us. But for sure, in the pearl finder, he is clearly searching. So I think that's part of the kingdom, searching. So let me say this for any that are yet to believe. You're like, I'm trying. I don't know. I don't know what I believe. I'm like, Jesus says it this way in Matthew 7. Remember, he talks about asking, seeking, knocking. You ask and receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. That's what Jesus says. And he's talking about giving the Holy Spirit. And the verb tense is continually. Not like I just, not, I asked you and you didn't answer. Oh yeah, he was answering. You just didn't hear. It's keep on asking and it's Jesus' promise. He'll do that. So I want to say that for anyone yet to believe. Just keep asking him. Just keep asking him. He's true. He's faithful. His word says that. You keep asking that. That door is going to be opened. But let me say it also for the child of God, the one who believes already, okay? It's still the same for us. We, we are not to, to stop with our searching, searching, seeking heart, we want to grow. It's not a ticket to heaven. It's such a myopic way of speaking of it. Yes, eternity's in, in all that, but so much more. We want the gospel as that mustard seed to grow through our life. And so I think it's, it's the humble heart of a learner that we want to cultivate in our seeking. And let me just say this really clearly. So in a church like this in Converge, we've got people at all kinds of different points on our spiritual journey, okay? Just true. Do not, please, please do not compare yourself to others so that you hold back. I, I, I don't know as much as them. I shouldn't, I don't know, I, I feel intimidated to go to this or to pray out loud. I just say, cultivate a heart to grow. Now, I remember this... In, in January, we do this 21 days of prayer. And I, I remember some of our newer people say, I felt like I learned to pray here. Never prayed before like this. And so don't. The evil one's the one that wants to stop you there. Okay. Hidden. There's discovery. There's great joy. We want to develop a searching, learning, humble heart. And then this one is in both parables. It's the surpassing value surpassing value. Um, I am going to read this. Do we have the Proverbs verse? So I think Jesus is almost drawn from, from Proverbs 2. Uh, here we go. Ooh, I'm going to do it this way. Doesn't have enough words up there for me. Uh, here we go. So I, I think Jesus, listen to this. He says, my son, if you receive my words 
and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, think of wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. I think Jesus is drawn from that here as he says that. You can, you can hear some of the same language. It's a treasure. It's, it's when, the, when the gospel comes to you, the kingdom, it has surpassing value. So here's the sixth thing that's very connected to that. When they see the surpassing value, the great value, number six, they sell everything to acquire the kingdom of Jesus. In other words, Jesus' kingdom is more valuable than anything. They are all in. It's not, it's not part-time, the way I phrase it was, they're full-time, rev, um, full-time residents. I give my life to following Jesus. My dreams, my goals, my desires, my time, my money, my vocation. So it's very common, particularly, um, I th- somebody say like, yeah, I remember thinking that in my life at some point. One of the, the, the problems with the prosperity that we have is we don't, <clears throat> in terms of the surpassing value of Jesus, it gets, it gets cluttered by other things. And when you go to the persecuted world, it's very common for them to think of, I give my life to follow Jesus because he gave his life for me. It's just easy for them to, to see that, to say that, to live that way. That's why they take risks and persecution. And here we are, and we just we get bummed if someone make a bad social media post about us because we're Christian, you know. But that's what it is. This as he describes this, this is all in. So I I love how, how Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 5. I think we got it. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one, that's Christ, has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live, what? Might no longer live for themselves, but him, for him who died for their sake, died and was raised. There's this, the whole aspect of understanding is here, when I in coming to him, I give up everything for him because I, I don't lose. <laughs> I win. And losing my life is great gain. And losing my life is, is it's true value, true joy in following him with everything that I have. That's the sense of that. So that's the first, first couple of these. All right, the great net that gathers every kind of fish. I won't read it again, but it's very similar to the, if you remember the weeds and the wheat you know, they grow up together, and the, and the guys are saying, like, hey, there's, there's someone put weeds in, in where you planted. Should we pull them out now? And Jesus, no, we'll wait till the end, to the harvest. Then, then it'll come. Here, it's the same thing with the fish. The, the net goes out. Um, all the fish, they're drawn up to shore. And then there's a time of separating, but it's not while they're swimming in the sea. They separate at the end. So here's the thing that Jesus speaks very clearly because I didn't write this again, but the last verses of this parable, he describes what this is about. It's about final judgment. He said, the net comes, I separated good and bad. But he tells us 
The first couple there, he doesn't tell us what it's about. He says it's final judgment. So let, let's think about this for a moment because we hate thinking about this. I won't make you raise your hands. But people don't like to talk about hell. I understand why. I mean, I've heard people say, God, I mean, he's a God of love. He'd never send anyone to hell. Or my, my God, my God would never fill in the blank. Okay. We think that. We say that all the time. Somewhere I had a music stand that got stolen where it got moved. I've used this illustration. I'm not going to use it again. I'm just going to put it up here behind us. Okay. This is affectionately known as. That is Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, it's Mr., by the way. It's not Mrs. Mr. Potato Head, I think. <clears throat> Meaning what? It's very common for us to say, my God wouldn't, or God, so we, it's interesting, we want to shape God into an image that we want to make him to be. Hang on just a second. Think how foolish that is. If God is God, if he is, like I shape him? Paul says, what, what, what's the clay say to the potter? If he's really God, then what? I want to know what he says, right? I know this is hard, but I mean, that, it's a barrier all the time. I, I get difficult things are difficult things. But here's what's crazy about all this. Jesus talks about hell way more than I do. Talks about judgment that way. He's much more comfortable talking about final judgment than we are. Why is that? It just, but it's true. I know pastors, they, some that don't believe it, some that won't preach it, they also tend to devalue scripture, I would say. So I, I just read the words. That's all I do. And I think it's unkind to leave off the reality of hell when Jesus makes it so clear. So think about it like this, would you? You got a friend, let's say. And your friend, your friend is planning to drive down a mountain road fast, and you know that around this blind curve, there's a deep ravine and the bridge is out. You know it. You would never let him do it, would you? You wouldn't do that to somebody who's not your friend. You'd, you'd stop them. So for me, when I, when I get that and people say whatever they say, I just simply take them to Jesus' words someplace because Jesus talks about this a lot. Here's one of them. People know John 3.16. Let me just read through this 16, 17, 18, maybe even 19. But just, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not, what's the word? Should not perish, but have eternal life. That's why he sent a son. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, it, but in order that the world might be, word, saved through him. That's why God sent his son, to keep us from judgment. It's there. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. He doesn't talk about how good they were. And then he goes on and says, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. That's, that's just Jesus' words. So I just, I just take them back. I know it's hard to talk about, but I think it's part, of the, it's part of a clear description. I think it's unkind to leave that off. You don't have to, you have to browbeat people. I don't think you scare people into heaven, but it's a reality. And if it's something that's real, we wouldn't leave it off, right? So I think it's included. Okay, let me just say another theme here. As he, as he tells of the fish, 
and the weeds and the wheat, there's final judgment. So here's another aspect which is true here. Judgment comes at the end. It doesn't come before that. In this room, one of the things that we struggle with is all the wrongs that have been done in our lifetime. Where's justice? Where is that? And it will be in the end. There will be final justice. There will be final judgment. It will be. God will right all things wrong. You see that throughout the scripture, particularly in Revelation. Okay, last thing, and I'll do this one quickly. So he's displaying this new and old treasure. There's a slight twist. This one's different than all the other ones because Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is like, he's just finished these seven parables and then he looks at his disciples. He says, hey, have you understood everything that, that I've taught? And they answer, yep. Like they always do. Sure. <laughs> Jesus, he asks these questions and they say yes and they have no idea. It's, it's pretty comical when you look at it. But then he says this, notice. Therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house that who, who brings out his treasure, what is new and old. Okay. I want you to look at the words. Who's he talking to? Disciples. So I get three questions here. Who's the scribe who's trained for the kingdom? What's the old and new treasure? What does the master of the house do with the treasure? Pretty simple. Okay. The scribe, he's, he's certainly talking to the 12, but I think it's potentially anybody in the kingdom in that. He, the one who's trained for the kingdom. What's the old and new treasure? Okay, so there's a lot. You can read commentaries. They'll tell you all kinds of things. All right, I'm going to put it in a couple ways, but hopefully kind of simply. So Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So think of Old Testament. So I think of this as being both Old Testament and New Testament. Some would use the term Old Covenant, New Covenant. Um, some from Romans would use the term the law and the gospel, okay? The law shows me all these, I can't make it on my own. I mean, I, I need something else. So the Old Testament, it's all true, but it works like a shadow, and we gradually see more and more until we come to Christ. That's how the revelation of Scripture is. So it's all connected to the same, but we understand more and more. So I would just so you can think of it as Old and New Testament. One way to think of it, it's just the whole counsel of God, which I think here's including judgment, which is both Old and New Testament. I think that's that's what he's done. Notice more importantly what the master of the house does. He with the he brings it out. He displays it. It's old and new treasure. So the way I'd like uh, Pastor Mike is preaching up at, at Sawyer. The way he summarized that is. Pass on the treasured gospel of Jesus and warn of final judgment. I like that. Because what he gets is you come through all of these and it comes down to these disciples. This is what you're to pass it out. You are to bring out this treasure to others. I think that's the intent of all this for us. So I'll come back. Here's how I summarized it. I, like, I might like Mike's better. Citizens of Jesus' kingdom are full-time residents who joyfully give up their self-rule for his reign over everything as they share his good news. Mike flipped it. He's more succinct. I'm too wordy. I get that. I like Mike's. I like the pass it on emphasis. All right, stop. So why does this matter when we walk out here? Why does it matter? So we can go through a text, try to understand it more, but if, if we do that without reflecting on us, 
I think we've missed a very important thing. So let me just give you some ways to reflect. First of all, again, if you you want these, get on the email list on uh, the Wednesday Gems. You can get these kind of notes because I kind of go fast here. But it's, it's really worth thinking about. I, you, know, you spend the time to come into church. We spend the time to go through a passage. I want to spend the time thinking, like, Lord, how, what are you saying to me here? And truth is, we're going to run out of here. And maybe someone go to lunch with something or the next thing. Happens. I mean, it just goes too fast. I don't want to go too fast. So I'm going to give it to you. It'll go fast. But it's worth going back to, I think. How valuable is Jesus' king to me? kingdom to me? Really? Do I value it more than you can fill in lots of stuff there? Because what you have in both the treasure and the... It's a surpassing value, and they do something with it. Secondly, would I describe myself as a seeker or searcher of what is true? Of what Jesus... Is that, is that me? Do I have a heart that desires true wisdom? Do I desire the Lord himself? Or is... You know, going to church is something I do. I mean, there's good people there. It's good for me. Is that, am I, am I, am I really hungry to learn? I, I think that's in the pearl there. Jesus would use other language, other places, how important that is. And then thinking about this aspect of being a citizen in the kingdom. So I, I've used this terminology of self-rule versus his rule. So, do I regularly ask the Lord how he wants to do things in my life? Or do I assume I know? Whew, man, don't, <laughs> I make a lot of assumptions. One of the things I appreciate about Justin over the last years, I mean, I remember this time he shared this testimony. It, it started with just starting to read the word, read the word, read the word. It was, it was a big part of a change, but he got to the point. He had a really good job. It was a place that I would say, I'll use my words, not yours, not a quote, but it was spiritually toxic. And he just asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he walked away and he didn't have another job. That's crazy. Kai doesn't work. She, she, she worked, thank you. She works and does not get paid. Yeah. Kai works hard. Um, so he's the incomer, but he walked away because he's asking. I'm not saying you're supposed to do that, but I'm just saying how crazy that is. Okay. Did you also just sell your house? I think, I think he asked the Lord about that. Don't have the place to go yet. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, Here's the point, asking the Lord. There's certain times we assume this is the right way to, just ask him. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, and he wouldn't say it's the right way to do it. Just say, but for him, when he's asking about some specific things, the Lord, t- I love, I love uh, Lincoln's testimony for baptism. He goes, like, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't really want to get baptized, you know, and I went back to my Bible to where I was, I just like, hey, God, speak to me, and I got to Romans 6. It was all about baptism. And then he goes like, yeah, and I realized my only reason to not get baptized is because I didn't want to get up here and speak in front of people. It's a really bad reason. I'm like, for a high school kid, God, met, he just asked, God, would you? And he did. How many times do we not ask? Do I regularly ask the Lord how he wants to do things in my life or do I assume that I know? Oh, friends, let us demonstrate the surpassing value of following Jesus by giving up our whole lives for what he's given to us. Let's pray. Father, again, I ask that you would take your word right now. Maybe I come back to it later in the week. I know I need what I've preached as much as anybody here. I got dozens of places. I got events that happened this week that are really hard for me to walk through. 
And you've helped me by even thinking of this passage and the change that you want to do in us. I thank you for your kindness, your mercy. I thank you that what you do will continue on. You're going to accomplish it. Give us hearts that would seek you, that would really desire to know. Hearts that want to be taught by you and your word, even if it's uncomfortable for us. Hearts that would even ask you. We would dare to ask you rather than assume we know what is best. Do your work in a way that accomplishes your will in each of us, we pray in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.